The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Good afternoon, good morning, whatever time it is you're listening to this podcast, welcome to the Boston Podcast. This is Dave, and I want to say hello to all the ladies and gentlemen listening out there, all of our listeners. Thank you for sharing the show, by the way. It's the way we spread the mojo of the Boston Podcast, which is the podcast where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. And I have such a, a wonderful voice here today. It's an old friend of mine. She's an awesome lawyer, an awesome person, former stand-up comic. And she was briefly the Prime Minister of England from 1972 to 1976. Do I have that right, Michelle? 77. And I forgot to turn her mic off on, so (laughs) let's get that right. 72 to 76? 77. 77. Oh, okay. Well, I've been watching The Crown, so I'm... Oh, by the way, that was... The last part was a joke, if you didn't catch that. But it's Michelle Purse in studio. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello. Attorney Michelle Purse, Attorney Michelle Purse of the law firm of Barrett... Is it just Barrett Single now? Yes. Oh, okay. And we will not speak of what it used to be called? That's fine. <laughs> it Happy was it? to do that, too. Oh, okay. Yep. No, okay. So, um, Michelle and I used to work, to, full disclosure, we used to work together at Lawyers Weekly for many years, from the from the ridiculous to the sublime. We used to, we used to sell stuff together. We used to, all kinds we of things. We wrote stuff, sold stuff, <laughs> and did some, like, comedy things together. We did. We did. We're going to get into that, too. Um, the... Women's Bar Foundation was kind enough to invite me to do stand-up comedy for the first time that I had ever done it way back, way back. God, how long ago do you think that was? I can't think about it. (laughs) Right after I moved back from England, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, right. Um, Well, I've been watching that show, The Crown. Have you seen that? Love it. I haven't seen the new season, though, but I love it. Oh, I'm somewhere in season two, I think. Um, But... It was one of those shows that comes along and like sort of in the vein of Downton Abbey, which I haven't seen, eat, but I haven't seen. And it seemed a little too British and proper for me, but um, it's very interesting. The, 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 in the, in the, for example, in that first season, the, the one about the fog and the smog and the smoke. Does, does right, right. Yeah. I, I'm in a little bit of a fog myself, but I remember it. <laughs> This is the first podcast of the morning, if you hadn't noticed, here in our Pod 617 studios in, in Westwood, Mass. And before we go any further, I am uh, remiss if I don't uh, mention our very supportive sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service. By the way, U.S. Postal Service is hiring for the holiday season. Yes, kids, it's 18 bucks an hour for seasonal work from November 9. Through, uh, that's obviously a date that has passed, but continuing through January 3rd of the coming year, please apply at www.usps.com slash careers. And for further info, you can email them greaterbostonhiring at usps.gov with any questions. Come join, make a little extra scratch for the holiday season. U.S. Postal Service deliver for the nation. Um, yeah, there was an episode about uh, the day where this, I mean, you know, us stupid Americans here, we, we think London is always foggy, you know, that's where they got the name London Fog, those lovely raincoats, right? Mm-hmm. But there was this day where 
the the because of the weather weather pattern the i guess the how did you interpret that do you even know like the the, the city was completely um trapped hamstrung right yes okay thank you thank you <laughs> The thing about podcast, Michelle, is it's a conversation. Yes, I saw that. It is, but you're talking I about remember. something you know better than I do. No, right you now. saw. You, we know exactly the same amount. You well, saw the episode. Maybe it was a long time ago. You saw the episode. It was a very long time ago. Okay, well that's all right. That's all right. Um, well, you have a chance to redeem yourself, Michelle, with uh, the Boston Vault. So what we do here is, whoa, hey, <laughs> we lock people in the Boston Vault. We ask them questions about our fair city, and these armed guards are here for your protection. So don't be alarmed. Most people make it out of the, the vault after about five minutes. All right. Now, if memory serves, you used to live in the North End. Correct. True. Okay. Uh, what was your favorite? All right. She's in the vault. Enough, people. Um, what was your favorite place to dine then or now or? Piccolo Nido, which is a little off the beaten path on North Street. What do you get there? Uh, same menu since I've been going for 30 years, and I usually get the um, clams over linguine. Ooh, nice. You went with the white sauce. That, I do. Right? right? And yeah. then they cover, my, cover their eyes, which they've done for 30 years, every time I order cheese to put on it, which apparently is, is frowned upon oh, that's, in Italy. Oh, yeah. that's de classe. Correct. Of course, I'm using the French instead of the Italian. I don't know what it is in Italian. All right. So um, I mentioned comedy already. Do you have a favorite comedian that hails from Boston? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I really like Tony V. Oh, you went with the real local guy. I, yeah, I did. He's real local, right in Charlestown, where I am. I should have him on the show. You should. Yeah, he's he's um, he's like the working man's comedian. I think he does everything, right? I mean, he does he does stand up, but then he'll do. A, I'll see seen him at a corporate event. I saw him at a. <laughs> at a corporate event for the Mass Academy of Trial Attorneys, and he wasn't getting huge laughs, and, he's, and he was started to make lawyer jokes, and it kind of went south, but um, but he, he is very funny, so that's a good one. He's a good guy, too. He does a lot of, you know, he donates his time. Charity. And, yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Him and Jimmy Tingle are like the twin towers of Boston comedy in that in that vein. Um, how about, uh, the be- what's the best ice cream in New England? And this could this could trigger your childhood memories of where you used to get ice cream. Or... Best ice cream in New England. I mean, if I'm really going to go back, I'm going with the Hoodsie. Oh wow, that's a great call. Yeah, I'm going to give you. I'm going to ring you up for that one. Well Excellent. done. Yeah. Um, the can ho- I say it again and get another ring? Um, you can try. Hoodsie. All right. Well, close enough. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what half of these buttons do on this on this board here, so it's you know it's uh, dealer's choice. Um, the Hoodsie. Was and is, I guess. Do you still see the hoodsies around? Sure. Is that a New England thing? I, I guess it I is. I think so. Hood I, is is Milton, I think. Really? Or was? I'm not sure. Now, the, my problem with the hoodsie was I was cursed with this affliction. I didn't like chocolate ice cream as a kid. I've developed somewhat of a uh, a taste for it in my later years, but as a result, all my hoodsies were half. They were half chocolate, half. Uh, vanilla right yeah with a little swirl to it to make it harder probably for you to pick them apart yeah exactly those cruel people at at hood i had the same problem with the sports bar at fenway park there was chocolate ice cream running right down the middle of it it was really hard to eat around and then of course what did you eat your hoodsie with what utensil did you use yeah the little wooden spoon the the tongue depressor yeah it's not even you can't even really call it a spoon right and then if if you're like me i like just kind of sucked on that for a while until i got splinters and then yeah. you know your tongue. yeah that's kind of what, the way that's it the went hoodsie. if um people come in from out of town and they say hey michelle and they're dumb tourists and they say hey we're coming to boston is there anything we should see while we're here what do you 
what, what do you, I don't know what kind of accent that was. But <laughs> My friends don't sound like that. I know. <laughs> so I can't answer that question. Hey, Michelle. Um, where would you send them? Like any, like attraction or, or it could be restaurant or museum or anything like that. Oh, that's a good one. I, um, I like to lure them to my neighborhood, again, Charlestown, because there's a lot to see there. And then coincidentally, it's very convenient for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really fun, I think, to walk around the Navy Yard in Charlestown, see old Ironsides, and then you can take one of the water taxis at the right time of year over to, you know, legal seafoods or to restaurants. So yeah. then they can see Boston Harbor at the same time. Yeah, that's a good call, cause, and it's also not that of much of a schlep or wait in line kind of thing, Correct. you know. Uh, um, and people, I, I hope people still aren't going to Cheers because, I mean, give me a break. They are. <laughs> for a while, I, I don't know what the number one tourist attraction in Boston is, but for years and years, it was what was called the Bull and Finch, the original Cheers bar. Yeah. But, but I, I do like um, Charleston. I do like the Navy Yard, and. Um, so that's a good call. Uh, okay, so the you don't. What town did you grow up in, Michelle? Remind me. Quincy. Quincy, and you don't. I've never detected an accent from you, a Boston accent. I have did had have, one. Did you have it removed? I had it removed. Yep. Um, it was very expensive. I wasn't fully <laughs> insured for it, but I did have it removed and replaced it with sort of a Canadian voice that I use now. Um, I did find one time, Dave, Mm -hmm. when I was helping my mother clear out her basement a few years ago, and I found a cassette tape when I used to just record myself um, because I was funny like that. And when I popped it in to listen to, I had a thick, thick Boston accent. Really? Thick. And then I said to myself with my Boston accent, um, if you are listening to this in the future... This is you when you were only a little girl. Really? Very creepy wow. child. Yeah. I love it. But no, you said, if you're listening to yourself in the future, this is Michelle. I wasn't ready to <laughs> add that layer because I've worked so hard to get rid of it. I don't want to. Have you really worked hard to get rid of no, it? No, I think? haven't. It no. just went away. Yeah, mine, mine too. Mine still comes out here and there. But it's, it's, I think it's funny that my, some of my close relatives, including my brother, is so much thicker i mean he'll say yeah dave i might be coming over later are you gonna be around and um why do you think that is i think it's where i went to school like growing up in my neighborhood but then once i became school-aged and i was going to school outside of my town Mm -hmm. and i think i was around people who didn't talk like that so i probably well maybe that the way they speak maybe that explains it for both because we both attended milton academy that's right proper milton academy and you made me go to my reunion one year which one was i know Yeah, I, it was your reunion, and I remember attending. And I remember <laughs> some reunion you made me go to. I remember saying hello to Randall Dunn, who was the yes. best, the best hoop player, and was a senior when I was a freshman. And he didn't remember me. He never really remembered me when I was there in the first place. I wasn't good enough. He's a good guy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Despite that gratuitous dig. No, no, uh, no. Wherever you are, Randall Dunn, I hope you're <clears throat> successful and still playing hoops. Although you might be getting old for that. Who knows? Um. All right. I, you know what? I think you've acquitted yourself well. I think we're going to let you out of the Boston vault. Thank you. Yes. Most people return from the vault. Some never do. So let's let's talk about um, what you do. And so you represent criminals, as I understand it. I represent innocent people wrongly accused of white-collar crimes, just to put a little correction in there. <laughs> so not, so it, it, kidding aside, you're a uh, white-collar crime 
is primarily what you practice? I call it criminal I'm... defense. I do okay. commercial civil litigation as well. So it's, it's a little bit of a mix. And then a lot of the, the gray in between regulatory right. litigation where it could go either way. So what you just said sort of triggered an uh, uh, issue with me. Not that I'm taking issue with you per se, but, <laughs> but what should lawyers tell people that the, their clients are innocent? Because I always thought um, innocent, guilty is kind of besides the point. And that, that, sounds, that sounds sort of cold-hearted. But, but in other words, the, someone comes to you with a legal problem. They may have violated the law. They may not. And it's your job to present a zealous defense. So... Do criminal defense lawyers proudly say that their clients are innocent, or should they say that? Oh, I think it depends. I think it depends on the case. I mean, yeah. you are innocent until proven guilt, guilty, not to be too corny. So I think they all do come to you innocent. Um, yep. And what we do is try to talk to them about their exposure, which is sometimes, you know, more, greater than others. Yeah. Um, I mean, the I remember... Back when we were at Lawyers Weekly, you remember the Louise Woodward case? Cor- of course. Of course who, sure. do, who doesn't? If you were around back then, it was a, a British nanny, au pair to be precise, who had been hired by this family, the lovely family, the Epens. And the the long story short, the it, it was a tragedy. The baby died while in the care of Louise, right? Isn't that what happened? And, that's and right. the the allegation was that she had shaken the baby, and because the baby was crying, she was trying to quiet the baby down. Blah blah blah. But it was one, that was kind of like our the Boston's version of the OJ case. Like every prominent criminal defense lawyer seemed to be attached to it in some way. And Harvey Silverglate was out there. And Harvey, Andy Good also, Andy Good, yeah, tried the he case. was a, right. And then on the other side, it was Jerry Leone, who would I think go on to be the DA of uh, uh, Middlesex County. I think now my brain's getting um, uh, dusty, but anyway, um, London Fog, London Fog. Thank you. <laughs> so um, he would, you know, proudly say to the press that she didn't do it, and she would. Pro- you can cough; it's okay. It's a podcast. We're human. Um, <laughs> he would proudly say, you know, she didn't do this. And I remember, I think I even asked him because, you know, we were at Lawyers Weekly at the time, so we were covering it. Would you hire um, Louise Woodward to take care of your kids? And he said, absolutely. So I always thought, if you're the lawyer, why do you even have to, you know, open that door? Why not just say, listen, I'm hired to defend her and and we are confident the facts will reflect that she didn't do this. Do you see what I'm saying? No? A little bit. I mean, I think the truth is I think I'm – staring at you a little blankly because yeah. for the most part um i don't think i do a lot of public speaking about our clients so it kind of doesn't so come up it doesn't you know it's usually i'm thinking more in terms of my connection with my clients and what i tell them and what i try to explain to them mm-hmm. and i'm less often in a position where i am speaking publicly and trying to send a message do you enjoy what you do very much i really do Why? it can be a little white knuckle but yeah. um i do uh, I think you just gave me the title of the episode for this podcast, uh, white collar, white knuckle. Oh, I white love collar, it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I love it because the type of work that I do for the most part, it really is very gray. It's a lot of regulatory, um, accusations or investigations where, um, you know, a complicated regulatory scheme can come back and, and bite your client. Um, mm-hmm. and they truly don't believe they've done anything criminal and you are there. And even, even when there is something that perhaps you would view as more black and white, you are there as their buffer. Um, you stand between them and the government and to try to make the government 
make their case. And so f for me, I often feel even when something has gone wrong or mistakes have been made, uh, what's happening to the client um, is off, in my view, again, my sort of left-leaning view, mm -hmm. it's often way out of proportion for the error they made. And so I take great pride in, in trying to stand between them and what's happening to them. It really must be frustrating for some of your clients. Did they, did they come to you and um, sort of tell this story about how they missed this deadline or they filed something they weren't supposed to file or they did something they thought they were doing in good faith and all of a sudden there's this federal regulation that opens them up to criminal culpability? Yeah, that certainly happens. But I think another piece of it is inaction mm -hmm. where they are accused of not stopping something and mm. they don't believe that either the thing was had to be stopped or that they were aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, but then what happens in these investigations is the government will, as it should, it's focusing on emails, texts, conversations about one particular topic mm -hmm. and they can put together a written narrative that leads somebody to believe that the client was an active participant or again failed to stop something that they should have realized was happening and as we all know you can go through your emails and pull out two of them that perhaps you were only cc'd on you didn't focus on you didn't connect it with an email a month ago on that same topic um, but it's easier in retrospect for someone to lay out a case uh, for what you knew or what you intended and and you know the clients will often be pretty adamant that it isn't what they knew and it isn't what they intended. Yeah, yeah. So I had a run-in with the law recently, and um, again, <laughs> thank you. I'll give your room shut for that one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> and um, this was it. Rem you were uh, you reminded me when you said like the the in so many words the punishment doesn't fit the crime in a lot of these things and. <laughs> Don't worry, this, I didn't kill anyone or anything like you that. You kicked out of the Patriots game no, or something? No, it wasn't even that. That would have been probably a better story. It was I got pulled over for speeding on the pike, um, and I was probably speeding. I wasn't going 100, but I'm sure I was speeding. Pulled over, and during the course of the officer talking to me, all of a sudden there is an accident right behind us on the pike, which I think might have been because someone freaked out when they saw the trooper pulling me over on the road or something unbelievable so but it was i was like holy cow and the the trooper hands me my license and registration back and says well it's your lucky day you can go i got to take care of this and and i from the look of things nobody was hurt but it was a it was bang bang like it was the these these it was a pretty serious accident and so i told everybody's story and i said isn't that it's it stroke of luck and not, not so much for the people's car got wrecked but for me because of you because of me and then in the mail i got a ticket for like 200 bucks and i said Jeez, oh, you know, I mean, I was speeding, but she did tell me at the scene that I wasn't responsible, so maybe I should fight this. So what did I do? I put it aside, and I completely forgot about it, so, <clears throat> which is uh, I want to do occasionally. So I don't realize that administratively later, because I don't respond in a timely fashion, my license gets suspended, oh. right? And I get pulled over again, like, weeks later, and... <clears throat> was not speeding. In fact, it was there was traffic. I was going slow, and I'm like, "What did I do, officer?" He said, "Well, I just did a random check on your plate, and the your license came back suspended, and I've got to tow your car." And I was I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And so the, my my beef is like my crime was not paying this to like 
I should be able to pay that guy 200 bucks. He should have a little one of those little things that waitresses carry around now where they slide your credit card. But no. So and he said, well, I, he said and I could tell he was just kind of I'm just doing my job kind of thing. But like, I can't let you drive the car. I could get in trouble. And also I could actually arrest you. This is actually an arrestable offense. And so I'm picturing getting arrested for putting that, you know, ticket, you sure. know, under the wrong book and forgetting about it. <clears throat> so and I had and so I had to go to court and I had to hire hire a lawyer and it is all you know white. I guess clean. I missed that call. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured this is small potatoes for you, quite frankly. But but it, it's um once you get sort of sucked into the system in your client's cases, it's a lot higher stakes. But it's but it's it's scary. You must deal with a lot of scary people scared people no right? i, th I yeah. think that's right and and um i always picture it when they come to me especially if it's an investigation you know we get involved when someone's subpoenaed they're a witness or maybe they're a subject slash target so we can be involved obviously well before an indictment and you're trying to keep it from going in that direction um sometimes when they come you know you have a good chance at that and other times uh less frequently but other times you know an indictment is coming um yeah. and that it's going to be tough to to keep it from happening and I always see it like a funnel that mm. when they come to you so in that extreme situation where you feel pretty confident they're going to be indicted or be asked to you know required to take a plea they come in and they're in they think they're in this big open space I've got a lawyer nothing's happened to me I'm a good person I'm a family person whatever and you know that it's just going to keep sort of tightening to yeah. this smaller you know, peace, and they slowly come around to that feeling of feeling more trapped and fewer options and that kind of thing. Um, and, and I think it's really hard to watch people go through that. Um, I think even when you think someone made a mistake, it's really hard to watch someone and their whole family go through that. Um, but it's, it's really meaningful to be helping them. And you must need to put on some bedside manner in certain cases it's hard for you to picture isn't it dave yeah, that's where i'm going <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no listen yes I, you know i adore you and you're a great friend um but in your with your professional face on you can be a serious person i can and be. and do, do you find yourself having to play counselor sometimes oh i think it's a big piece of what we do yeah. and it you know you try to you try to adapt to the to the client some mm -hmm. people appreciate humor some don't so i try in whatever it is that they need i try to get a feel for it and right. then you try to to meet that need. So, for example, I mean, a small example is some can't bear to hear from you because mm -hmm. anytime they hear from you, it's either bad news or it's simply reminding them. Because mm -hmm. remember, investigations can go on for years. Um, so I have ones I can't call. I have others I can't email. I have some where I have to put right in the subject header, don't worry, you know, yeah. message wow. to follow. Um, yeah. So things like that. So some people they get frightened just Most. getting an email from you. So you sure <laughs> that's interesting. So you're being wow. investigated for a criminal, you know, violation, and let's say six months passes, you don't know what's happening in the investigation. But the instinct is to go back to your. I mean, they're always worried at some level, but they go back into their normal life and kind of secretly hope it's gone away. Mm -hmm. So you see my name pop up. Um, you know, it's not yeah, you, happy. You poor thing. Yeah, you have to write. That's a good feeling. Yeah, a friendly note from your criminal defense lawyer. Smiley emoji. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, in this day and age, I'm, I try to be careful when I'm emailing because you know sometimes you're emailing either bad news or you're trying to 
ask for something that might be delicate. And so I'm always writing things like, I don't mean to be a pest, but, or whatever. And if you, and God forbid you ever say something that's meant as a joke and, and they don't take it that way. That's yeah. what the smiley emoticon was event, invented for, I think. So yeah. in uh, my, my world, my advice to anyone in business or otherwise is just don't email, pick up the phone. Yeah, I know. I hate the phone though. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about the Women's Bar Foundation, Women's Bar. So you were the president of the Women's Bar Association, which is which is um, I was very proud when you served because, you know, it is um, largest. Uh, it, it's one of the sort of crown jewels of the bar here in Massachusetts. It's the Women's Bar events are always very well attended. Um, and now you are the president elect of the Women's Bar Foundation. It, it, are you going for some kind of um, you know triple crown here? Is there a third that you can get? Or I suppose that's it. <laughs> you think I'm a horse? <laughs> are there people who have? <laughs> are there people who have done both? Probably. Maybe? I think I think so. Oh, tell, okay, so Marion LeBlanc may be one. I know I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of both. They're sister organizations. I right. think a lot of people, uh, a lot of lawyers, think they are the same, and understandably so. They have overlapping staff, and you know. Uh, office and and whatnot um but they are different the foundation contrary to the name does not give away money but rather uh provides direct legal services um uh with with a few programs the the main program that people have probably hopefully heard of is um the family law project Mm -hmm. so um the foundation provides attorneys to women who meet certain you know meet certain uh requirements there's a domestic violence component. There's a an income component. And so we will provide attorneys to them to help them through family law matters. Um, and the thing that's really cool about the foundation in, in that program in particular um, is that we train lawyers to take those cases. So we're, mm-hmm. we, and I'm among them. So I had a two-day training to take family law cases. Uh, and we train both those who take our clients, but also for some of the other organizations. So these are people that can't afford an attorney in most cases. That's right. Yeah. And and they're, you know, fighting for custody, fighting for all sorts of things with this overlay of having some kind of uh, abusive relationship. And for those who might say, well, why can't they just get a court-appointed attorney? You're actually not entitled necessarily, right, entitled to a, a court-appointed attorney for a, a family law case. Did you just bite your tongue or something? Michelle appears to be in pain. Cramp. I'm good. Cramp in your leg. Yeah. I hate that. I know. I think it's from the triple crown. I think of all that running <laughs> yes. and so fast and hard. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've hit an age where I just have inexplicable pain while sitting in a chair. Tell me about it. It's nice. Did you have weird stuff with your vision when you hit a, a certain age? I mean, you and I both wear glasses, but. Oh, it's always been awful, and it, yeah, oh, it's okay. gone from bad to worse. For me, it went downhill, like, drastically. Like, I've always worn glasses since I was 17, but then the. The farsightedness started. Did I get that right? It, it, yeah, I couldn't see things close up anymore if I was wearing my glasses, so you're constantly taking them off. And, you know, as Mick Jagger once famously said, what a drag it is getting old. It's so, true. so. But I hate for our bad vision to take away from the Women's Bar Foundation. But uh, Right. Yeah. You no, missed, it, it, you missed an opportunity group. for a segue there. I'd rather talk about the vision of the Women's oh, Bar Foundation. shoot. You see? Can we rewind? <laughs> I think, you know, I think yeah. the moment's no, passed. It's a but, really great, it's a great group. And that's not all we do. There's a project that helps women in prison we help people while they're in prison you know get rid of um you know um, excuse me we help people with restraining orders it's just a really terrific group 
The website is wbawbf.org if you'd like to donate. And you have um, a, there's a gala usually? Now, do they still do the comedy night? Or? We still do. Yeah. So you were in the inaugural yes. one, as was I, and um, we still do it. it we, I think in the past couple of years, um, there have not been lawyer comedians because we started to run out of people who were interested in putting <laughs> themselves through that yeah. and probably running out of people who are interested in seeing it. Uh, so now we have a professional comedian every year and the comedy night is a blast. It's at the Boston Harbor Hotel and it's open bar and great food and really, really fun. Um, no sit down chicken dinner type thing. Um, so that's the foundation's annual fundraiser, and the gala is the Women's Bar Association, which is also a, a terrific. Are one of these coming up anytime soon? Uh, the the in May. Gala okay. just came and went, um, okay. but in May is comedy night for the Women's Bar Foundation. It's a blast. Wbawbf.org, and it is it is a blast. I was brought out of retirement a few years ago. Um, Jimmy Tingle was the host, I want to say. you play guitar? I is that did. some weird dream I, I no, had? I, well, right. it's both, actually. No. You, I mean, I'm sure. But, but no, um, yeah, I, I, I was shooting for an Adam Sandler kind of thing <laughs> with the guitar. And I don't know if it went over well. I did. I wrote a song about Tom Brady and Deflategate. And I, it was like Tom, it was a kind of a play on Tommy rock opera. And like it was to the tune of Bohemian Rhapsody. It was terrible. But, um, <laughs> but. Um, I'll, you know what? I'll insert it. I have it somewhere. I'll insert it at the end of this podcast for those oh, who are th curious. That'd be great. Hi, everybody. I'm Chami DePerel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the Wild Trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. I remember when I first got asked to do the stand-up comedy, and it was, as you've alluded to, in back when we used to do it, they would pick amateur comedians, um, you know, who were lawyers. So that was the gag. It was, you know, and stand-up for the WBF, right? Mm -hmm. And you and I were both on the bill, and you were kind enough to coach me. And you you remember this, I right? I do. It's of course coming you do. back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was. Can I tell you? It was fun. It was. And and we both. You had a terrific set. Now you had done stand up comedy before, right? Correct. And you yep. had, you had um, open mic nights, or even more than that, or. I had one. One paid, paid gig. gig. Okay, well, that's which cool. Which is still unpaid, but it was technically a paid <laughs> gig. Hunt them down. Yeah. Come on, Nick's comedy stuff. Get get your uh, no, get your act together. It wasn't Nick's. Okay, um, but and do you still do it? You still dabble in that at all? No, no. I've, I've done it for the WBF, had, but haven't done it in a while. You had a hilarious set. We both played upon lawyer mm. themes. Now, which I think was shrewd. It was probably your idea, but the 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 notion of having a friendly audience was nice. appealing to me. Right, <laughs> yeah. it's people that know you and people that that are all lawyers. They all have certain things that they will find funny, and so you did a bit. 
about law and order and if law and order had taken on mundane subjects like a real estate closing, you if I recall, a good right? Memory, yeah. Yes. And you played the Law and Order um, sound effect, bum bum, and then you said, "But what if this hadn't been filed properly?" Bum bum, and it was, it was, it was quite a feat because you you turned. I always think it's impressive when people take something that is very sort of understated and turn it into. So you are you are the whole bit was it was a boring subject. It, it's sort sort of in the same vein of on Saturday Night Live when Anna Gasteyer and whoever her little partner was did the delicious dish. You know the NPR. <laughs> Welcome to the delicious dish. I always thought that's genius because you know you know in a matter of speaking, it's easier to be like a Robin Williams or Bobcat Goldthwait and go you know yelling your head off, mm-hmm. but to be subtle and funny. So you were fantastic, oh, and you were teaching and you were teaching me about the rhythm of comedy and setup, setup, punchline, setup, setup, punchline, um, and. Uh, how come uh, did, uh, did you give it up um, by design or is it something that you miss or um, no not by design by children <laughs> <laughs> I had a little time pre children audience of two now yes yeah that's a, that's a tough audience not a friendly audience um, mm-hmm. a lot of eye rolling no matter what I do um, unless you just go right to potty humor with them and then they're good yeah <laughs> so yeah. mostly just a function of time that I gave it up I love it though I often think maybe I should try writing because I'm less mm. you know I have more time but even that is tough are there comedians that you follow now that are that you love no okay. I, I don't really follow them <laughs> I'm not sort of you know on it all the time but yeah. I like any of them I mean anyone who's trying to do that and out there and making people laugh I appreciate so you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to help me write a joke right now because there's a joke that I've been working on. It's okay. been it's oh, been in, it's been in construction for several years now, and the premise <laughs> sounds of, funny already. The, right, the premise of the joke is that um, Mr. and Mrs. Hammer. So they're pictured that they're actual they're hammers with oh, little not MC. With, no, no, they're actual hammers, and they're going to a party, and there are going to be other tools there, mm. right? Been to and, those parties, and, right? And so. <laughs> Got to have that at the ready, um, and so Mr. Hammer is going to the party uh, begrudgingly. She, he's being, he's being dragged by Mrs. Hammer, and they get there, and he says, "I, I told you, honey, you know this this party was going to be terrible. You know I don't even know anybody here." And sh- she looks around and she says, "Well, you may not know the wrench, and you may not know the screwdriver, but honey, you know the drill." <laughs> All right, see, it's missing something, right? Uh, <laughs> you know the drill is the punchline. So right. I got the punchline first, but I got to get, you know the drill. So, but could yeah. it also be like there are a bunch of tools, <laughs> bunch of tools, bunch I'll of, go with the tools, bunch of tools playing cards. And it's like the, the drill is cheating. It's like, well, you better watch out for him. You know the drill. First could, one could is better. Be? First one's still first better. First one's better. I think, okay. you know, what yeah. do I know? All right. What you're suffering from is a long buildup. The buildup is too long. With a shorter payoff at the end. <laughs> but but you know, because we got the hammers, they're getting ready, they're going out. Uh, the, it's you know. a whole arc of a story ending with something very disappointing, is what you're saying. Um. Oh, I hate to say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you ever come up with a joke now? That you write down and say that's that's fine. Do. You do. I come well. Uh, hardly a full. I used to keep a notebook back when I was really doing this and and had some notion of you know doing it regularly. I'd keep a notebook of more of premises than the actual joke. Hey, wouldn't I, it be funny if you know? I, a little of that and just 
observations I have where the observation isn't particularly funny, but I know there's something you could put together. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I, I used to, I would see things and it's like the, the, the slogan for the environmental movement used to be, you know, we've only got one planet, let's take care of it. And I thought that would be funny if you just say that. And then you say, well, I don't recall anybody claiming Neptune or Mars yet. We got others. Let's trash this planet and then go on to the next one. Well, you write that down, then you work uh, on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to carry this yeah. book around. I always wonder if I get hit by a bus and someone went through and I just have <laughs> things like jellyfish written down in my book and, and folks would, would start to think. The ravings of a, a mad man, a mad woman. Um, yeah, so I... I particularly love it when a joke is something that was sitting in front of our faces the whole time. And the example I give is from um, Louis C.K. had a bit, and this is presented without any commentary on Louis C.K.'s actions I think that's off probably stage. A good thing. It's, it's just presented for the sake of the joke. But what he, he one day just was thinking about the year, so um, as in 2019, right? And I think his comedy special was actually called 2019. 18 or 2017, whatever year it was when it came out. But he said, I tell my children I, to respect all religions. What are you looking for in your bag? <laughs> I'm looking for my book. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Find the book. Find it's, the book for the first time ever. We could, we could reveal it on the podcast. There's anything funny in it. Now okay. we just be like, but go on. Oh, I, I interrupted. It's a book. It's a, it's, it's, it looks so classic, and there, there were illustrations or whatever. Yeah, um, so... What he said was, I tell my kids to respect all religions, but really, you should know that Christianity won. And everybody kind of laughs, ha-ha. He goes, no. He goes, you think I'm joking? The Christians won. And everyone's still laughing. He goes, you know how I can prove it? What year is it? And and then and that 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 joke kind of hangs in the air, and then people start laughing, and that is that's funny, and that you could have made that joke in 1967, and yeah, but no, no one that's... but no one thought to make it. It's like we count from the birth of Christ, so. Yeah, I mean, we don't, you know, and then he has, then he goes on and on about how, what it must have been like around the year one and two or the year, you know, anyway. So what, so what do you got in the book? I don't know. It looks like I just have like meetings with my kids' teachers. (laughs) So that's kind of indicative of what happened to the comedy. Oh my Um, God, that's hilarious. But maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll be like a more well-balanced Roseanne Barr and once they're out of the house, I'll go back at it who knows yeah see you have to do the disclaimer for Rosanna I had to do the one for Louis CK there's nobody left everybody behave yourselves out there so um, we're up against the clock here but if you want to get in touch with Michelle you have I hope you don't have a run-in with the law but if you do you can go to barrettsingle.com that's b-a-r-r-e-t-t two r's two t's Barrett Single and single is s-i-n-g-a-l barrettsingle.com how is old Bruce doing there by the way he's doing great he performed the great Bruce, Bruce Singo, which was one of the, the. I helped train him. I wrote a little bit, and I was on the selection panel that coincidentally picked him. So oh. we've had a lot together. Yeah, as Lizzo would say, he puts the sing in single. <laughs> That's good. She yeah. says that. She, I, I believe you. I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not. A, I know. I'm aware of Lizzo. It's to the point where I, I congratulate myself if I'm aware of some new, hip new, uh, artist. So um, you had your kids at the right time. I had them when I was ancient, so I, I am more aware than I probably would be if I... Yeah, I don't understand music anymore. I'll say that. Is Lizzo like... Oh, God, now we it, sound old. Now it, I no. have a draft on my neck. No, but I... <laughs> and another leg cramp. I thought I was keeping up the kids right through my 40s. You know, uh, the Pitbull and T-Pain and Rihanna and Jay-Z and all that stuff. I loved all that stuff, and I sort of knew all that. And now, th- this it, to me, the, the music all sounds like... Mm, tsh, mm, tsh. 
I was rolling down in Minnesota, but you know, and it's just it, I'm not gonna lie, you are no really making us sound so old. I know what is that the what? Did that song end or is it the same song? <laughs> I know, I know, I don't know, I don't get it, but my son li- listens to it. So um, I hope you had fun, Michelle. I had a blast. Cool. It was great to see you once Dave. again, um, Michelle Purse. Uh, and by the way, her name is spelled P E I R C E. You poor thing, you've been spelling that your entire life I because. Know. Um, and uh, BarrettSingle.com. Also, don't forget WBF.org is where you find um, information about the Women's Bar Association. Check out all their events and donate. Come on, do, do, uh, do the solid for some women that really need the help. Did I sell that well? You did, yeah. and we'll take anything. Okay. We, we put it to great use. So um, I, I did promise to unearth this song that I wrote about Tom Brady and Deflategate. And Michelle, if you have four minutes and 20 seconds um, to stay and be bored by this. Um, and now a we miss it. Yeah, yeah, so I actually performed this live. Now we'll go out with this. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Yes, here it is. Tommy. You know that you're our guy. You're so handsome we could die. I went a little too crazy with the echo there, I think. We've had so much fun. But could doubt what the hell is gonna take it all away. Tommy. Take the fall. It was a thrill to be the one to hold your balls. If you don't, the kids would have laughed at that. They, you know what? I just laughed for them. <laughs> okay. Then nothing really mattered. And I scolded them. <laughs> Here's where it all changes. A little broad, a little broad here. <laughs> Ray Lewis helped to murder. Ray Rice, that dude is mean. But I swear I never cheated. Always playing clean. I skipped out on the White House, even though I got the call. Because even Obama is making fun of my boss. He did. I sound daft. Call me Mr. Kraft. I'm the coach. I don't know. I've got Garoppolo. They say Tom <laughs> can't throw. Yeah. They will not let him throw. He can't throw. They will not let him throw. He can't Garoppolo. I don't know. To Buffalo. Garoppolo. Let him throw. You guys are cheaters, you're all cheaters. The air pressure was low. It's the flaky, a colossal time wasting spree. Low 
Cause they ain't 